This is a podcast by The Straits Times. Hello and welcome to Bookmark This, the Straits Times podcast where we talk about titles in the headlines and recommend you new reads. I'm Olivia Ho and I'm here with my colleague To Wen Lee. Hello. And today we're going to talk about the best of the fest. By fest, I mean Singapore Writers Festival, which just wrapped up earlier this month. Of course, during the festival, they launch a ton of books and we're going to pick out a couple of highlights for you to check out. So first of all, we're going to talk about Eng Yisheng's new speculative short story collection, Lion City, as well as a debut poetry collection by Marilyn Tan called Gaze Back. So first off, Eng Yisheng's Lion City, it's published by Epigram. It's uh, his, I think, his first solo fiction work that he's putting out. Of course, he is very well known as a poet. He won the Singapore Literature Prize in 2008. He was the youngest winner at the time. He's since been dethroned twice. But people know him for his poems in Last Boy and loud poem to be read to a very obliging audience. So I was excited because this is his first solo foray into speculative fiction. And it's a collection of works that have titles that I thought at first were kind of pedestrian. So like, you know, Lion City. Yeah, no, Lion City, you know, it it seems a bit obvious to me. And things like Little Red Dot, No Man Is an Island. I think that's all part of the, that's all deliberate. And one thing that struck me about the titles was so many of them have references to, they're very watery, they have references to ports, to terminals, to harbours. No Man Is, obviously a a nod to No Man Is an Island. So I thought that was a nice touch and it kind of speaks to how this volume in a way tries to examine how we are all bound by certain confines in this, so to speak, lion city of ours, but we all try to strain against them as well. So the idea of mooring, being moored to the island was something that I thought about as well. I think it's actually kind of subversive, his choice of story titles, because these are all things that Singapore is known for in a sort of very Singapore tourism board mm. sense, so like Little Red Dot, Food Paradise, Our Airport, the story about our airport. That's um, right. And one of them appeared in In Transit. Yes, yeah, so some collection. of them have appeared before in other collections, but this is, I think, the first time with, that we're seeing them all together. So I'm going to read a part from No Other City, which is the final short story in the collection. No Other City is a reference reference to the Ethos Anthology in, I think, the early 2000s. And he was, of course, part of it. So, um, here goes. Listen, next Monday at 4.30pm, Singapore will disappear. The entire island, its earth and its earthworks, its rivers and reservoirs, its mega malls and museums will vanish. Poof, like so much gun smoke. Its flora and fauna too, its orchards and orioles, its rain trees and roaches, its mosquitoes and monkeys, its people also. Citizens of all creeds and races, permanent residents, guest workers, tourists, illegal aliens, gone in the twinkling of that old proverbial eye. You, of course, will be spared. You'll have accepted a job in Beijing or Baltimore or Bengaluru, so you'll only be halfway puzzled when you start to notice the silence of half your Facebook friends. You'll double-click on their profiles, see that none of them have updates beyond that specific timestamp, click around to Singapore-hosted sites like The Straits Times and Today, and discover that most of them are down, down, down. What the hell, you'll think. You'll try emailing your missing compadres. No reply. You'll try Facebook messages and phone calls and Twitter. Nothing. You'll start to worry, especially when the few of them seconded to faraway franchises are on holiday and the Gold Coast tweet you back, saying they're hitting the same silent wall. Then finally, you'll get through to an ex-girlfriend who moved across the straits to Johor Bahru for the cheaper rent and commuter every day, and she'll send you the pics. The causeway, once a financial lifeline to the heart of the Malay Peninsula, now ending on cliffhanging stubs. Water beneath, bridges to nowhere. Why isn't this on CNN? You'll turn on the TV, click, panicked. 
but the same placid faces on BBC. Fox Al Jazeera will stare back, reciting the old shtick about crisis in the Middle East and DC and Brussels. You'll pick up a shoe as if to hurl it angrily at the screen, but then you'll stop yourself, remembering how much the TV cost. You're still rational. You're still a Singaporean at heart, after all. In the evening, you ask your friends. The cool black French man in IT, the quiet Korean lady in marketing, will stare at you, confused. Singapore? Never heard of it. Then where am I from? You ask, furious. And they'll blink back, chewing their udon and say, somewhere in China? You ought to splash the hot green tea in their faces, storm out of the ramen shop, never to return. But you don't. You go back to your noodles. You can't afford to lose any friends. Not now. It's fascinating. Singapore is a kind of 21st century Atlantis and just disappears. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so what happens to Singapore? I guess you'll have to find out in the book. Yeah, it's a, it's a fascinating premise. So one of the things I found really interesting about this story was how he goes on to talk about how um, all these people gather together and they talk about Singapore, the idea of Singapore, did it exist, did it not? And he talks about these conferences for fanboys and fangirls, um, and quote, all clustering together, united by the dream of this fabled utopia that somehow slipped out of existence. And um, they start dressing in cosplay, you get people dressed in SIA kabayas, <laughs> pretending to look like Lee Kuan Yew, and they write fan fiction, and I quote again, mad vicarious fantasies of tantric sex on the Singapore flyer and battles against fire-breathing vampires on Marina Bay Sands. So that was, I think, just pretty hilarious. I mean, the, the whole idea of people getting together for these conferences about Singapore and um, its existence in the very first place. Yeah, so it's a really fun collection. I don't think we get enough of this in Singapore literature. It's like fun, zany. Some hard, some of the stories are super whacked out. Like there's this story where this man starts to believe that he was a bowl of laksa in his oh, previous life. <laughs> so he's, he can't eat laksa anymore. In fact, he can't eat food because he's convinced that it's somebody's previous incarnation. Cannibalizing himself. Yeah, so it's... And then there's another story in which this uh, middle-aged couple, uh, the husband begins to discover these like shiny metal bits on himself. And it turns mm. out that they're ports, uh, like USB ports, you know. And then mm. it's a disease that spreads through the nation. And then all these people start to like gather together to, you know, link up and connect themselves. And then one day, and then his wife is like, what is happening? I don't understand. And Yeah. Yeah. yeah and you just so you're talking about how, in a way, it's a very subversive collection, I think, for works of fiction that that do try to come up with a kind of social commentary, the ones that do it most effectively are those which are in a way at one remove from the subject matter, be it through uh, the prose style or in this case, something that's just so imaginative, full of fantasy, um, almost fairy tale like I think one of the pieces I really liked as well was Garden. I love the, Garden. Uh, garden, um, almost, it's a garden of forking past. Right? In, in a way, it's, it's just reference, I think, to the very popular Choose Your Own Adventure series. Does from, anyone remember from those? <laughs> Choose Your Own yeah. Adventure Although series. Although in this case, at the end of every single chapter, instead of saying, for instance, turn to page 10, turn to page 5, they say, go to 2019, for instance. There's one section about a man who ends the chapter falling to his knees and praying. And the instructions at the end of the chapter go as follows. It says, if she falls on her face, go to 1705. If she falls on her back, go to 1940. So it's this idea of you know, just traveling through the pages, but also traveling through time. And it spans from the year 1299 to the year 2400. So it's quite a wide range of dates. And it's just very interesting. So what I like about this is that it, he's not only going through Singapore history, he's going through Singapore fiction. Mm. Uh, he references books like Han Mei's Star Sapphire, which is one of the very early works of Singapore science fiction. A lot of people have forgotten this. He talks about Jenny Quanta, the superhero born in Singapore, DC superhero. And yeah, people don't really know that she was born in Singapore, but she's probably one of the very few major Singaporean superheroes that we have. And things like
like Danger Dan and Danger Dan series by Leslie Ann and Monica Lim. And he treats these uh, as if they are canon. So what this reminds me of is Alan Moore's League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, this graphic novel that looks at Victorian genre characters like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, Mina Harker from Dracula, Captain Nemo. Uh, So it collects all of these and treats them like they're a league of extraordinary people. And I think what Ng Yisheng is trying to do here is he's collecting Singapore characters and he's treating them as if they can be this league of extraordinary characters. Mm. And uh, it's very bold. Some people might say it's lazy magpie writing. You're just like picking from everywhere. Other people. Lazy Lazy magpie writing. Like you're picking from other people's stories. Uh, And in a way, that is... The best writers steal though. Yeah, so he's stealing in in what I think is an excellent way. And he has positioned himself in this tapestry of speculative fiction, which is this genre which I love in that how it's growing in Singapore. Mm. It's a fantastic piece. I really enjoyed it too. Now, if you are liking these book recs so far, do subscribe to Bookmark This on Apple's podcast app or on Google Podcasts or even on Spotify and like us and give us a rating. So next, let's move on to some poetry. So we're going to gaze at Marilyn Tad's Gaze Back. It's a Debbie Poetry Collection and uh, it's a pretty wild ride. So Wenli, what do you think of that? Well, where do I begin? It's a collection of poems by linguistics major Marilyn Tan. And in these poems, she tries to probe questions of sexuality, desire, queer female desire, and in a way articulate the thoughts and feelings of the disfranchised sexual minorities and so on. She has said before that it was written as a grimoire and essentially a book of spells, but to me it also, I see it as an attempt on her part to create a new kind of grammar that um, will speak to what she calls the contemporary female experience, one that doesn't shy away from elements of very bodily experiences, for instance, nakedness, references to menstruation. In fact, the first poem in the collection is called Nasi Kangkang, which is a reference to a kind of love potion created by Southeast Asian witch doctors. For those who don't know it, it kind of involves a woman cooking a bowl of rice, menstruating over it, and then feeding it to a man who will, after he eats it, abide by all her wishes. So yes, it's very so empowering, it's I suppose. Bold <laughs> yeah. move to yeah, be exactly. open with that, with that image. Yeah, and, and she moves on to other similar images. Exactly, that's only the beginning. Like, uh, Sorry, and she experiments with different kinds of script. I mean, you don't just have free verse, you don't just have poetry as we understand poetry to be. There are references to graffiti, um, computer code, unicode, and also words Malay and Hokkien. So it's, it's, it's a diverse mix of different um, scripts and, in a way, voices. So she deals with a lot of taboo and she doesn't just poke them. I think she kind of grabs the reader and mm. puts their face in it. That's how I, how I feel <laughs> like. I feel very gleeful when I read this collection, actually. I'm like, whee! I'm going to say that it's probably going to be quite controversial. It'll gain a kind of cult following. It may gain a cult following, which is uh, probably what she would appreciate. So yeah, it's pretty wild. There's reference to menstruation. There's references to shaving. There's this pubic um, hair. Pubic hair. There's this section about Jesus as a teenage girl. What would Jesus be like? And someone if throws Jesus, tampons at Jesus, right? Yeah, yeah, and then lots of wild stuff. There's this part where she just uh, reproduces um, signs that she's seen, and one of them is this Tokyo Hands Department Store sign that says, <laughs> "You will be surprised at dirts." And indeed, you will be surprised at the dirts in this collection. Indeed. But I think it's great for poets, for female poets, to look at the body, to look at how girls aren't just like perfect beings who don't sweat, Definitely. only glow. And they Especially female queer desire, because that, that is still quite underexplored in our canon, so to speak. Yeah, so it's a good start. Um, what do you think of a use of Unicode, though? I thought it was interesting. 
I mean, it consists of various poems that were inspired by different Unicode symbols. You've got the inverted black triangle, um, the symbol for the sun, first quarter moon, Newton, Mercury, and all that. For me, it's a kind of interesting intersection between what you would regard as modern, right? I mean, it's Unicode, it's, it's a computer code. These are symbols you find on the computer. At the same time, these symbols also have a kind of Wiccan aspect. And the whole idea of witchcraft as well, it's often seen as something that's quite feminist. It's women who have power and they are wielding this power. And obviously, with the witch trials from centuries ago, um, they have been persecuted for this as well. So it's subversive and it's fascinating. Another one I found quite interesting was this poem that was, in a way, written in code. I think it, the title is C colon and slash user slash Marilyn dot tan slash undocument slash queer bodies. So it kind of um, consists of the narrator um, appraising potential queer lovers, assessing them based on their clothing, their hair lengths, their education levels, body types, race, and all that. And ending with the commands, oh, you either allow drinks bought or random excuse. <laughs> so, so I thought that was interesting. I mean, she's not the first person to have written a poem inspired by code, but I just, I mean, like, like, like all the other pieces in this collection, I found it very refreshing. Mm, yeah. yeah, I'm glad Ethos brought this out. This is published by Ethos Books, which has had a really strong year. So they came yes. out very strong out the gate with This Is What Inequality Looks Like by Tio Yo Yen. They published people like Professor Anne Li Tzu Ping, you know, one of the greatest Singapore poets ever. And to have this book in the same lineup as, you know, Li Tzu Ping. Yeah, <laughs> it's just a very wide spectrum. It's been a great year for Ethos. Yeah, know. so kudos to those guys. And the title's interesting, Gaze Back. On some level, I see it as a kind of response to the idea of a counter to the male gaze, right? Mm. And it also, on some level, makes me think of the myth of Orpheus and Eurydice. He's allowed to take his beloved out of the underworld on one condition that he doesn't gaze back. But of course he does, and so she's whisked away to the underworld <laughs> forever. So, um, yeah, so it's a classic case of a man messing up. I wonder if that was a reference to the ancient myth, or whether that was just a happy coincidence, but... Who knows? I've read somewhere that she was referring to um, Hélène Sixous, the um, French feminist theorist. Sixous is most famous for Laugh of the Medusa, another uh, famous instance of gazing, a woman exactly. gazing and turning <laughs> men into stone. I don't know. I find this collection almost academic in nature. It's very really? not academic in the sense that it's impenetrable to the layman. What I mean is, I think it's something people with an academic bent will appreciate on some level because you can appreciate it for what it is, right? It's subversive, it's refreshing, it's bold, but Dig deeper and I'm sure you'll find something um, unexpected. So thank you very much for spending time with us and our reads. And this has been Bookmark This. I'm Olivia Hope. And I'm Toa Lee. And we'll catch you next time. Bye. That was an SPH podcast. Find us on iTunes, Google Podcasts and streaming on Google Home. Do send your feedback to podcast at sph.com.sg. You can also check out more podcasts on various topics at straightstimes.com and bt.sg.